Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, Indulge. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And welcome to Rex Factor, reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots from Scots. Kenneth McAlpin to James the Sixth. Mm-hmm. And if you want any more after James the Sixth, see original Rex Factor series. Exactly, on the English. So, this week we are doing Indulf. Presumably the first and last? First and only Indulf, I think it's fair to say, and certainly in Scottish yeah. history. Good name. Um, quick bit of backgroundy stuff for the context for Indulf's reign. Um, originally, when we started in the podcast, we didn't actually have Scotland as an identifiable no. country. We had all these different kingdoms battling for dominance. And then Kenneth McAlpin, in the 1840s, came to the fore. And he was in the territory which were effectively the Scots. Yes. So he takes control not only of the Scots, but also the Picts, and starts this new Alpine dynasty. So yeah. kind of the west and middle-ish of Scotland. Okay, and in the east we had... Uh, well, we still had a little bit of Picts, but we also had the Northumbrians, which That's is right. sort of Angles and Saxons, mm. and we also have the Britons, which is in the southwest. Right. And um, meanwhile, we still had a lovely load of Vikings. Exactly. The Vikings came along and started to mess things up, just mm-hmm. as the Alpine dynasty was starting to expand and Why dominate. Yada? So the 860s, the Vikings caused serious instability. Mm. We have... Monarchs who we don't really remember and we don't know much about other than the fact that they generally die quite mm. violent deaths. Mm. And there's a bit of infighting, it's looking a little bit dodgy, but then along comes Constantine the Second in the year 900, mm. and he defeated the Vikings, kicked them out of Scotland. He was great. Used York, Northumbria as this sort of buffer state, so it's south of his borders. Mm. But then he allies with the Vikings to fight against Athelstan who is the king in England. Didn't go terribly well. Well, it didn't go terribly well in the sense that they suffered an invasion and then lost the big battle of Brunanburh. On the other hand, they did keep Athelstan effectively in England and northern England for the most part. So Scotland survived. Yeah. Was it like a a sort of vassal state? Like they swore allegiance to him? Yeah. But they didn't... So he wasn't overthrown and Scotland wasn't overrun by horrible English? No. Good. Uh, then Malcolm I, afterwards, the monarch we reviewed last time, oh, he, he actually makes an alliance with uh, the Saxons and the new king, Edmund I. Edmund gave him this kingdom of Strathclyde or Cumbria. Ah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that now, yeah. <laughs> is that also your... Oh, I God. just remember something <laughs> That is a light bulb moment. <laughs> no, that, was, that was serious scandal, wasn't it? Well, uh, we were wondering about the scandal of whether Malcolm kicked Constantine off the throne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Constantine abdicated, certainly. which is quite unusual. Yeah. What we do know is that Edmund I of England gave Strathclyde or Cumbria to Malcolm in exchange for an alliance so they'd oh, yes. stick together yeah, and yeah, fight yeah. against the Vikings. Mm. And they had quite a big Viking to fight in the name of Eric Bloodaxe. Yeah. So we had this big old fight, everybody's yeah. trying to dominate in York. Ultimately, Eric Bloodaxe uh, is killed. And defeated. And, uh, guy with a wetter name, very like Mr. Flip. Olaf the Sandalwear. Yes, that's it, not Mr. Flip Flop. Similar, yeah. yeah. He also failed. And so York and Northumbria end up being subsumed into England, in effect. Mm. So that now becomes a permanent part of the English kingdom. No, I hadn't thought about this before. 
But we were giving a lot of credit to Malcolm for this, and he nearly got Rex Factor. We felt, felt he couldn't mm. quite get there. But whereas Constantine kept uh, the York and the North as this sort of buffer zone between mm. the English, is it not a failing of Malcolm's that that was then lost? Well, I mean, it's still kind of a, a buffer. I mean, it's it's become part of England, mm. but only because of all the other stuff that's been going on. So it's not that the English kings have stormed up there and it's like, right, now we've got our base here, next step, Scotland. Oh, they're not standing on the border with fists clenched, right? It's more a kind of, you know what, the Vikings are just a pain, why don't we just agree to be friends and kick them out? Okay, so they still see it as a sort of far-off place that's just... I mean, it's still probably, there's going to be sort of independent lordships and all this Mm, kind of stuff, so it's not sort of a very centralised part of England. Okay, in walks... Indolf. In walks Indolf because um, just after getting rid of Eric Bloodaxe, um, unfortunately, Malcolm first then meets mm. his own end, apparently fighting rebels in this Scottish mm. territory of Moray on the east coast. Indolf comes to the throne of Scotland in the year 954. Um, now, we don't know exactly when he was born, as is always the case mm. with these Scottish monarchs. It was probably sometime in the 930s, uh, sorry, in the 920s, which would oh, make right, him 30 odd. roughly yeah, in his 30s when he becomes king. Now, in terms of his family and uh, where he all comes from, he's the son of Constantine II. Good. And what we talked about, we introduced last time this idea of different strands yeah. of the Alpine family, because Scotland had this strange sort of system of alternating succession. And how they couldn't see how this was going to go horribly wrong. So it went, rather than going king, son, 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 yeah. son, it went king, first son, brother, first brother's sons, second brother's sons. And it's only going to get wider and wider and wider apart, surely? Exactly. It's getting wider and tensions are on the verge of mm. arriving. So I've got, uh, just for our benefit, and mm. put it up on the blog, rexmax.wordpress.com, a uh, little family tree. So we've actually got the blue team and the red team. <laughs> oh, lovely. So the blue... Yeah. T- and these are based on the two sons of Kenneth McAlpin. The blue team, led by Constantine I, <laughs> and the red team, hashtag remember I. Yeah. So Indolf is from the Reds. So he's via Constantine II and Ayeth yeah. in the Reds. And the blues we had last time, Malcolm I. So Indolf's uh, from a different... But the same generation as Malcolm I. Yes, the same generation, but slightly younger. Cause yeah. Again, because they're so distant in okay. terms of whatever number of cousins they are. <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit hard to keep track. Um, anyway, now, you've picked up on his name mm. as an interesting feature. I like it. It's not a traditional Scottish name, Indolf. Um, some people have suggested that it was Scandinavian. Oh, Norse in origin. So some have assumed that this is because Indolf's father, Constantine II, was said to have uh, potentially married off his sister to Olaf Gothrisson, who was one of the Vikings. Scandal. Is that not scandalous? Um, well, I mean, Athelstan, certainly at the time, thought it was a bit scandalous yeah. that Constantine getting in there with the Vikings. Yeah. So it suggested, perhaps, that because of these good relations, he gave his son a Norse name. Oh, right, okay, wasn't it? Not his... that it was a... He didn't have, like, a Norse mother? No, I don't think right. that's suggested. Okay. But there are good but... relations between the two, perhaps. All right, so we're going to see an it. easing of Viking tension here. Well, maybe. Uh, or, alternatively, it could be a Germanic origin. Um, so it may actually be Hidulf. Why did they? Why did they just not write the H? Well, exactly. Now, the Ulf ending um, possibly implies Anglian descent. 
So if we split the Angles and the Saxons, yeah. Angles are probably sort of Benicia, which is the northern bit of Northumbria, right. i.e. the bit just below Scotland. Mm-hmm. And during the reign of Constantine, the Earl of Bernicia had gone up to Constantine and said, help, help, save me from the Vikings. Yeah. So maybe Constantine might have actually married a sister of this sort of king or earl in Bernicia. Oh, and that's how he uh, secured the help? Secured the help, and thus that's why he might have a Germanic name. Right. Or (laughs) it could all be down to Athelstan. Oh. The historian Alex Wolfe pointed out that the first time Athelstan and Constantine II meet was in a place called Amont Bridge in Penrith when Athelstan said, look, all of you guys come together, stop messing around with the Vikings and let's agree that from now on I'm in charge and you don't be pals with Vikings. Mm-hmm. The official ceremony was on the 12th of July, but if they arrived on the 11th of July, mm-hmm. they would have arrived on the feast of St. Hidolf. Oh, I like this. And what year was that? Was that? Uh, so that's 927. Oh. And we said if he's born sometime in the 920s and he thus is baptised and they thought well this is a saint probably of Germanic origin but the origins of this saint were forgotten at the time so they actually thought it was a Scottish saint so they might have thought ah it's the feast day of Saint Hidolf call it Hidolf yeah I reckon that that's the one I'm going with so Athelstan potentially helped to name this uh, King of Scotland they went like that so it's a victory in the end, frankly. <laughs> yeah. he, did, he, did we wreck him? We did wreck yeah, him. Okay. Well, he doesn't need the props, but props. <laughs> There's another one. Now, unfortunately, we don't have a contemporary image of uh, oh. Indulf or Hidolf, but uh, we do have the Heritage Playing Cards Limited mm. uh, artistic depiction. Now, I've been posting these on Facebook, and uh, we will post this one as well. Um, I don't get to see these... Until... Until... <laughs> now... Crikey, <laughs> Moses! Look at him. Um, did oh, he looks older actually. Though I've had my glasses on. Um, <laughs> is this not someone from uh, Flash Gordon? Well, I mean, there is certainly a yellow motif going on there, isn't there? There really is. I mean, he's got. Um, very, he looks like Robert Plant in <laughs> mid seventies pomp. He's got long blonde hair, large shoulders, and holding. You know, supporting a, a long tartan, obviously, robe. But then a totally sort of Roman tunic type thing. Yes, yeah, so it's um, we've almost got another sort of Donald first situation, haven't we? We've got uh, quite a lot of leg on display. Oh, he's got his, I mean, they're lovely legs. Yeah, <laughs> and quite a neat little player of um, penny loafers, it looks like yeah. there. But a very swish belt. And a slightly hidden sword. Mm. So, what's he? What's he? Is he? Is he warlike? Is uh, he, I, I, he just looks. Uh, he looks competent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that you do, that's. I mean, there's. I'm not going to say he he oozes war, but mm. I reckon he'd hold his own. He's got his arms crossed, so he's sort of defiant, defiant, but not mm. necessarily bloodthirsty. No, in the way that Malcolm last time was running towards us with a spear. Yeah. Oh, definitely, and I reckon. Yeah, if war was necessary, fine, but he's all right with a bit of diplomacy. Mm. Well, his epithet from the prophecy of Burkham is an an ion psychheith. Mm, uh, yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. As you know, I'm sure mm. the aggressor. Oh, so we've got Indulf the aggressor. I wouldn't say aggressor. I mean, uh, passive aggressor. <laughs> certainly, yeah, yeah. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, he is <laughs> the three of diamonds. The three of diamonds. 
Um, <clears throat> just in case that's relevant. Uh, but no, not aggressive, I wouldn't say. Mm. Now, we've we've had a good couple of uh, episodes, Constantine the Second and Malcolm. We'd had quite a few episodes where we didn't really know very much about the kings. There was yeah. a lot of evidence. And then mm. we've had two kings where there's been a lot of history. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. We're about to go back into a small phase of less evidence right. and less details. And that is the case for Indulf. Can we fill in the blanks? We, well, we'll do a little bit of blank filling in, inventing as we go. Lovely. He's, um, he's not mentioned in any English sources. Right. Um, his death is only noted... Um, in Irish chronicles and his father's name isn't even supplied in the chronicles of the kings of Alba um, so we do know that he's Constantine's son but it's not actually referenced which is usually the case it would say Indulf Constantine's son etc yeah. etc yeah one, why is that why, one, why that is we don't know really it's just yeah. very sparsely mentioned um, now we know that he had an older brother who was called Kellak not the one that Malcolm killed in right. Moray but another one and this brother was killed at Brunenburg in 937 now, the fact that Indolf isn't mentioned, I suppose, acknowledges that he wasn't killed, so it didn't need to be mentioned. True. Or also, he perhaps there? he wasn't even there, yeah. maybe a bit too young. So that was, you know, the big notable event mm. of the period, and I guess maybe he just missed out, and so they didn't didn't mention him Yeah. in the way, so he maybe just doesn't quite I mean, come at the right time. You know, sometimes match reports, they don't mention everyone. That's true, that's true. I reckon, I mean, look at him, I, I'd say he's there, but just... Wasn't very remarkable. Or he may have been doing a very solid and um, uncelebrated role, you know, sort of sweeper, perhaps, you know, sort of yeah. keeping it all together. Solid midfield. But I mean, not actually scoring the goals or saving or the penalties. just, I mean, even medieval, um, ancient wars need a solid amount of admin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's going to get all those swords to the right people at the right time? Guys, this is a sword-free zone. This is purely paperwork, please. Can yeah. just... Leave Pick them outside, right. give me your numbers. Sign in here and go and do your best. <laughs> so, um, as a result, uh, we can probably just refer to the Chronicles of the Kings of Alba. Is this the Crackers one? Well, this isn't the Crackers one. This is the one which was compiled sort of at the end of um, the reign of Kenneth II, who we'll come to a little bit later. So it's probably sort of finished in the 10th century, then bits are added right. in the 12th century. So that goes from Kenneth I to Kenneth II. Right. So which includes... Indolf. Mm. And this is what it has to say. In his time, Edinburgh was evacuated and abandoned to the Scots right up to the present day. A Viking fleet was destroyed of Bukan. He was killed by the Norwegians in Invercullen and was buried in the island of Iona. Well, there's quite a, quite a few events there. Well, that is a good positive thing with Indolf. Yeah. We don't have a lot of um, words, but the words we do have yeah. are interesting. It's like summing up Churchill in three lines there. I mean, there's a lot to get into. Um, so Edinburgh was evacuated to the Scots, which presumably this is... So this is an English chronicle. Uh, no, it's a Scottish Scots chronicle. chronicle. Um, this would have been... So Edinburgh is, I guess, it's in the sort of wider region of, sort of Lothian territory. So it's kind of south of where Scotland at this point is, north of where England is at this point. It's oh, a sort of okay. murky... Right. Middle land that used to be Northumbria but now mm. is. So when he says uh, evacuate and abandon to the Scots, is he saying that it's now Indolfs? He's got exactly. that. Exactly. Well, that's jolly good. Okay. Yeah. And he killed loads of Vikings. Yeah. Um, and he killed him. No, he got killed himself. By, by Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. Right. Well. It implies pretty, good. pretty even. There's not a lot of words, but it implies mm. quite an active time as king. Uh, so let's look into it in a little bit more detail and see how he gets on when we review him. Okay. 
Battleliness! Well, yeah, so as you said, Edinburgh is mm. quite a big one that jumps out at us there. Um, so this is probably in the year 960, and so a few years into his reign. Um, previously, there was this sort of historic stronghold of an old British kingdom called uh, Gododin, or something to that effect. Mm. And this stretches from roughly Stirling to Benicia. So that's Stirling in Scotland, which is sort of near quite near Edinburgh, kind of mm. just a bit to the to the west, uh, and then down to the sort of what, northern England. Angles bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this includes Lothian, the borderlands that we know from today, mm. all part of this general yeah. old kingdom. Um, so we've had all these centuries of Northumbria declining. Mm. So previously it was very powerful. It took lots and lots of England on the east coast, going all the way up the northeast, up into Scotland. But then it declines, it contracts, it splits into different little bits of kingdoms, and we've seen how England, the Vikings and the Scots have all been picking away at it. Was it previously the Britons that were there, or was it the Picts? I can't remember. Uh, no, so the Northumbrians were... Their own. Yeah, sort of Angles and Saxons, oh, so they okay. kicked the Britons out and That's fought right. with the Picts, so they were kind of giving it to everybody. So the Britons are definitely no more, and we haven't had any mention of Picts for a long time, so this mm. is just Scotland versus north this yeah. grey area now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the reigns of Constantine II and Malcolm, we've seen even more conflict in the region. As you said, we've got Eric Bloodaxe mm. going on in there, we've had the Vi- all those different Vikings, we've got Athelstan and all mm. the Saxons, so it's taken even more hits. Um, and presumably it's now even weaker. The Saxons, you were saying about whether or not this was a weakness for the Scots that Northumbria is now a part of England. Mm. They go into a little bit of a mini decline in this period. Not the big one, mm. but a little one. They have divisions because um, after the death of Edred with the tummy problems, mm-hmm. they then had Edwig, who was Ooh. the uh, the one that had the threesome at his coronation oh, banquet. Yeah, yeah totally good. Uh, and then they have a bit of a split between those who support him and those who support his younger brother, Edgar the Peaceable. Yes. So while that's all going on, Bacon, yeah. the Saxons probably not really too bothered what's happening right mm. at the very top of the borders. So there's a chance. The Scots, as we've seen before, are the major power in the region. So at some point, it's obviously formalised that... Uh, Indulf and the Scots have control over this territory. Job done. What we don't know is whether it was a gradual transfer of power and mm. then it was finally formalised in this period or whether there was any kind of big it movement. Sounds like, it sounds like a big moment from what they des- how they described it. Mm. Isn't it? They evacuated and handed over to the Scots. And also what we might speculate is that if his name has some kind of Mm. relevance to the fact that if you know his mother perhaps was from Benicia or something like that he may have mm. had local ties to that region so perhaps he was a more amenable figure and called the aggressor went in you know me let's have uh, this city please exactly mm. so that's a pretty big tick he's got yeah, Edinburgh very good very very good Scotland mm. we also have a victory against the Vikings yeah so this is in 962, the Battle of the Boards, as it's known. Um, so the Vikings have been severely weakened themselves. Because of Blood Axe and all that. Uh, well, Blood Axe and also defeats against the Scots and the Vikings in sort of previous reigns. So they've suffered a bit. And this is Mr. Flip-Flop this time? This is Mr. Flip-Flop. He went off and retired on a Scottish monastery. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different so these collection. Are, these are other ones. These are probably just um, general, generic Viking mm. raiders. Okay. So not... The uh, not a king trying to rule a territory, mm. just your farmers who lay down their sides and think, oh, let's do a bit of shopping. Yes, 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 standard Vikings, yeah, exactly. lovely. 
Um, so they probably resumed the raids, particularly now that Scotland is allied with the Saxons. Mm. So now Scotland is maybe more fair game than perhaps it had been when Constantine yeah. had been working with them against Athelstan. Um, so the suggestion is that um, there was a raiding party defeated in uh, Buchan, uh, which is sort of Dumfries and Galloway, which is very southwest Scotland. Right. Um, but then in Bords or Invercullen, which is the north tip of the east coast. So you think about it, there's this kind of bit at the very, very top that's quite thin that sticks out. Yeah. And then there's another bigger, wider bit. Yes. So that, in this sort of area, that right. sort of east bit area there. Um, they come along and they have uh, another battle. So presumably Indolf's gone all the way down to defeat them in one place and then storms up to tackle another one. He's done a herald. He's done a bit of a herald storming yeah. up there. Now, Walter Bauer, the Scottish Chronicon. This, that is the crackers. Well. This is the crackers. Brilliant. Well. Let's hear it. And this is his depiction of the battle. <laughs> At last, one day when, as it happened, the raiders were spread out in detachments, laying waste the countryside, the king set up an ambush in a hiding place not far from the shore, for he happened to be there with a few men at the time. <laughs> While the raiders had dispersed and scattered themselves in companies over the fields and villages, he rushed at speed against them with loud shouts, and, after most of them had been killed, he forced the rest to seek a remedy in flight. Brilliant. It reads like, it writes like a, um, like a sort of 1920s British <laughs> guide somehow. Come on now, Vikings, don't be shy. <laughs> Brilliant. So we've got some good stuff there. We've got Edinburgh, we've got Defeating the Vikings. I think it's good. I mean, what, I can't believe he's got any wimpiness to him. Well, what we've got against him, um, he does ultimately get killed by the Vikings. Mm, true. So here are some of the accounts. Um, firstly, Chronicles of Melrose, mm. a slightly more sober account. Fighting in the battle at the mouth of the River Cullen, he perished immediately by the swords of the Danes. Perished immediately isn't very good, is it? Well, I mean, I suppose perished immediately in the sense that as soon as I saw went into him, he was very much on this side of death. Right, he wasn't the first one down. <laughs> just charged in, <laughs> got an arrow straight between the eyes, and everyone uh, thinks. Got, um, I mean, that probably covers the <laughs> yeah. to now. <laughs> yeah, that should be it. They worked it out. They just have the one-on-one. You see, it would be so much more straightforward. If, they, if Harold had got that between the eyes, straight off. Yeah. In the eye? In the eye. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Think of all that wastage. If we could have just set Churchill against Hitler... <laughs> one on one. Who would win? Um, I mean, Churchill's got that... You know, you'd consider him stronger, but he's slower. Yeah, and drunker. And drunker, hmm. yeah. Probably... Oh, that is a really good question, because hmm. I reckon he'd have more fighting than Hitler. Hmm. If it was just, you know, just straight, no-one else intervening. I, d- I don't know how I'd call that. Or would Churchill have some like incredibly elaborate plan that would, <laughs> yeah, that would ultimately fail <laughs> yes. by chance and go, get in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is one for Facebook. I'll stick that yeah. out there. So, that's uh, the Chronicles of Melrose. Here's what Walter Bowers got to say. Who's he? He's the Scottish Chronicle. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Finally, high-spirited as he was, having unfortunately thrown away his weapon so that he might pursue the runaways more swiftly, he was struck in the head by a dart out of one of the ships and died that night. A dart? His body was taken to Columbus Isle with fitting honours, and he was buried along with his ancestors in the customary royal tomb. Right. So, 
he's thrown away his weapons to run he's after so them. excited that he just throws everything off so he can run after. Oh, what's he going to do when he gets there? <laughs> so, ah, oh, got you, it. Um, that's that's brilliant, but was, also not perishing immediately. No, well, not in this case. Apparently. Unless he was the first one to get it, they were still on the boats and they just just shoot, would you? <laughs> he just takes <laughs> up his arm and runs towards the yeah. boat. Hoping he'll sort. Well, also like the idea of sort of fill the power tailor just with a little yeah, yeah, throwing tip. it at him. Yeah, and you can imagine it's the kind of thing you could imagine drunk Vikings doing as a bet. Like maybe he's finished yes, the battle, he's taken his arm off, and yeah. one of them on a boat going, "I reckon I can, I can have that. Come yeah. on, get me." Yeah. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so either way however it comes about he does die and is killed by the Vikings but in a victory ultimately they win the battle but oh do they? well yeah so this is the same one where he's put them to flight oh I thought it was a different right okay no so so that he might pursue the runaways more swiftly i.e. Uh, yeah, those yeah, yeah. survivors right yes I thought the previous quote said they came to some uh Agreement where they had to take flight. Oh, that's how they got away. Yeah, got oh, it. yeah, I think that was hit. That was the uh, very um, flowery language mm. to seek a remedy in flight. I made them yeah. run away. Mm. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Um, well, that slightly diminishes the victory, perhaps. Although better to die in a victory than to die in defeat. Isn't it a bit pyrrhic? Well, it's pyrrhic for him, certainly. Yeah. Um, but rather than the Vikings come along killing everybody and. Winning Central. and killing him, yeah. Mm. yeah. But he also had Enderborough. Yeah. Possibly uh, another victory against the Vikings earlier on. Mm. Well, I mean, it's not it's not brilliant. Any Scot alive today is pretty rightly proud of Edinburgh. Yeah. So uh, that's going to score him quite highly, I'd mm. say. And he does have victory against the Vikings, albeit yeah. with the death. Yeah, never take on the Vikings. Even if you win, something's going <laughs> to happen. Even if you win, don't do it. <laughs> um, there's not much to go on, mobs. Mm. Um, five. Edinburgh's big. Imagine uh, the uh, when we did the English kings and queens, until they became British kings and queens, mm. um, securing London. <coughs> Alfred the Great. Did he? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Need to do a revision. <laughs> well, we get. Well, we gave him. The, yeah, he the, got uh, credit. He got, got credit, credit for it. Um, uh, how did he get on with the Vikings? He did quite well against them. He also did quite well. Mm. What do we? Uh, we don't have this. Scores up. <laughs> no. Yeah, five. Securing the mm. capital city. Victory against the the Vikings. All but he died. Mm. So five. I'm going to give him a six. I think he deserves to be in the positive on this because we don't have a lot of detail, but actually we thought. Almost for just three lines yeah. in the Chronicle, we've got Edinburgh and beating the Vikings. Yeah, it's albeit good. getting excited yeah. and taking his clothes off. <laughs> so that's 11 for Badliness. Still the third best. Mm. Scandal. Now, here, I'm afraid we don't really have an awful lot to do. go on. The only thing we can really do is speculate a little bit. Lovely, let's do it. We've talked earlier about the different lines of the family, the reds and the blues. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, now that they're splitting out like this, maybe they've got different territories that they've got strengths. So they've got sort of regional... You would start to get that, wouldn't you? So what if, when Malcolm went off to Moray, that was an area where perhaps Indulf had some friends? Oh, I like your thinking. Indulf having courage. Oh, ding, ding. Malcolm's yeah. demise. Well, and how was it? It was in some some little tiny skirmish. 
Yeah, just a skirmish in a mm. sort of slightly rebellious territory. Mm. Well, I mean, it's it's we're really <laughs> filling in the blanks here, but I like it. I mean, there was one. I did come across one historian who said that there was a bishop Fossad who um, was apparently expelled at the start of the reign, mm. which they suggested perhaps indicated a purge of Malcolm's allies. Mm. Mm. Otherwise... Oh, I don't know. There's, really, not, like, no, there's not quite enough there, is there? There's no one that actually really suggests that it's Indulfus Malcolm. I can't give him anything. No, it's, it's very, very speculative. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate... You trying to find something for me there? You know this is my favourite bit, but I can't give him anything. It's not what you're after. No. So that's a zero for scandal. Subjectivity. So um, all we've really got here in terms of his governance mm-hmm. is what the prophecy of Burkham says. Now this is one of those um, prophecies which was written after the events. Aye, they're my favourite. I mean, With the benefit of hindsight, they're usually more accurate. It's the best time to do a prophecy, mm. I think. Um, and it sort of took the uh, form of a poem, in effect. It's all a long poem. So that's when they don't describe anybody by name. That's why we have those epithets, because they describe oh, them by name. They scan better. Indolf Yogressar. So this is what it says in relation to Indolf. A good king will again take Scotland after a good father. Woe to his enemies through the son whose name is the aggressor. Alas for Britons and Saxons in his time, in the time of the aggressor of splendid weapons. Joy to Scots through him, both the people and the church. What on earth are you talking about? I mean, I admit it's not very specific. Yeah. But it sounds like it's liking him. Yeah, not sure why or how, but he's generally positive. I mean, there are some splendid weapons. Golden sunshine things. There are joy to the Scots through him, both the people and the church. I mean, that is... It's like reading the Jabberwocky, that. On the downside, Mm. um, we have this suggestion um, of some internal division, this expulsion of a bishop, whatever goes on with Malcolm. Certainly after Indulf, we will see serious dynastic conflict. Well, we're going to have to start splitting up, I think, ourselves. We're going to have to... Are you Team Blue or are you Team Red? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. Hashtag Remember Team Red, for me. Constantine the First, Team Blue. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, as we said, we didn't give him a score for Scandal. Mm. So, I don't know whether we can really give no, him an anti-score. That, yeah. um, we also have the fact that the Vikings do come along and do a little bit of raiding. True. Now, we yes. just defeat them, but nevertheless, they have an impact. Yeah, and whereas before his predecessors were making clever alliances mm-hmm. and keeping that sort of thing. This is what Walter Bauer and the chronic- Scotty Chronicle has to say about it. Bring it on. He was troubled by Danish and Norse attacks on both the east and west coasts of the country. Sailing in a fleet of 50 ships with piratical savagery, they repeatedly devastated, now the southern regions of the kingdom, now the northern. While the king was striving to confront them in the north, the outcry of the people proclaimed that they were laying waste to the south. Yeah, I mean, it's not good, is it, really, for subjectivity? It's not great. Though, then again, as I say, he does defeat them, so, I mean, you know, once if a Viking raid comes in, it's more important that you stop it in its tracks and defeat it, rather than say, oh, well, he failed because the Vikings got in. Yeah. What's bad yeah, yeah. is when they then maraud for the next ten years and... But, I mean, the fact that it's happening at all, or that he's, they, are, they keep happening, he's not doing an Athelstan of setting up burrs everywhere. Yeah. And, um, 
Uh, that, was, that was kind of an Alfred thing as well. Was it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, mud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not much for Saint. No. And as you say, there is more for Sinner, but there's not really much for Sinner because there are just our Viking raids yeah. this time. And when, when, if I'm to blame him for those, he doesn't need to beat them, so that's yeah. cancelling that out. Mm. It's tricky, isn't it? Because you sort of he, he definitely, like you said at the start, he looks competent, mm. and you get the impression for what he does with Edinburgh defeating the Vikings. It sounds like he was must must have been competent. Yeah, but we just don't have any evidence of how, other than yeah. I just don't know. I mean, do we give him subjectivity credit for all Edinburgh? With a territory oh, good which point. As a legacy. We'll, yeah, we'll definitely. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of pointing for Edinburgh, perhaps. Yeah, for all future Scots. Yes. There you go. Oh, no, hang on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that should be subjectivity. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we can give him that. Mm. Well, uh, two. Yeah, I, th- I think probably two as well. I, mean, I think it's harsh. I think he was probably a better king than that implies. We just don't have yeah. the evidence. I mean, certainly the artist thinks he was. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's a four for subjectivity. On reflection, that's higher than I would have wanted him to get. But, you know, this is how we reach these points. I never know how it's going to turn out. Longevity. So he rules from the year 954 to 962. Mm-hmm. Eight years... Uh, which is the score when put through the patiometer. Patiometer uh, comes out at two point seven seven. Eight years is a, an average for about now. Isn't yeah, it's it? fairly average. As I said, this uh, this score is sort of made difficult by the fact that the last reign is massive, mm. so yeah. it kind of makes everybody else look bad. Right. Dynasty, not the broken. Uh, Indolf has three known surviving children. Called. Um, uh, they do have names and they will be successive ah, monarchs so, okay, um, right. all the way at this point uh, but that gives them a score of 6.67 which is uh, which is actually the uh, second best yeah. that we've had thus mm. far um, so overall we have a score of 24.44 which is probably, is probably about average really with quite a few of the others we've had obviously less than the last two but yeah about the same as... No, it's about right, isn't it? Yeah, the others, the genres, the earlier stuff. I think, given what we had, that's about right. Yeah. But does he have that certain something, that lasting legacy, that great quality that we call... Rex Factor! Going to wrap it up quite soon. I mean, looking at the picture, I'd say definitely yes, but no. I mean, you know, he does have Edinburgh, he does have Defeating the Vikings. Those are kind of Rexy things. They're very Rexy things, yeah. Um... But no, I just... We can't realistically, can we? No, I mean, in my, my notes, I've got Legend, Edinburgh Vikings, and Loser, I've just written meh. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. I, there were, if, there, if we had maybe one more chronicle or something that painted the picture better... Mm, just made something up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> fine. I mean, Scotty Chronicon goes mad for <laughs> yeah, it. So, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for the Edinburgh thing... We'd just have to say there's nothing on this bloke. So, no, you can't. And I also will say that, uh, not to give too much of a spoiler, but Edinburgh is it's it's kind of one of those things that has to be negotiated and reaffirmed right. a little bit in later years. So it's not that they then set up capital mm. in Edinburgh. It's still kind of in a disputed territory for a bit afterwards. 
Okay, no, definitely not then. So I fear it has to be a no for Indolf. Um, no. He's one of those where, like, if you, you know, if you wanted to uh, write a novel about him or a TV series, then there's plenty of scope to just make a whole lot of cool stuff up. Yes, I mean, people with, do it anyway. With one because we've got that. some g- stuff that did happen, which is impressive. Mm. You can surmise that other cool stuff happened, but unfortunately, we don't know what it is. The series Vikings, is that set around the time of Indolf? Uh, it's earlier than Indolf. Okay. I think it's a bit earlier than Indolf. So, that's a no for Indolf. Uh, he doesn't have the Rex factor, but he does have Edinburgh. Yeah, true. Yeah, well done, well done, well done. Bad luck. Uh, so, if you uh, disagree with us, you can get in touch and let us know why you think Indolf should have had the Rex factor. But you can let us know on our WordPress page. You can. So, on WordPress, uh, we've got various blogs in support of the podcast, but we also have polls where you can say just a simple yes, no, or maybe to whether or not... Uh, the Scottish monarchs deserved it or not. There's also one for the English monarchs that you can complete. Oh yes, that's still running. That's still running. We'll keep on running. Um, you can also contact us on Twitter at RexFactorPod. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Yes, please. Get involved in discussions there. Don't try and be friends with us because that's not a uh, an active account. That was a mistake. <laughs> Apologies. Um, and you can email us RexFactorPodcast at hotmail.com. Yeah. And if you want to support the podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. Or subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes as well. You can now become a patron of the podcast. Oh, yes. So if you go on to rexfactor.wordpress.com or on uh, .podbean.com, uh, you'll see a Become a Patron button. And that allows you to uh, give a monthly donation if you so wish. Which would be very, very gratefully received. Uh, which you can set any uh, any amount you like. Um, it will go towards funding our costs and doing things like getting new microphones and improving the sound quality. And getting me here. And getting Ali here, paying <laughs> Ali's petrol. Uh, and huge thanks to uh, Brenna Irene, who was the first person to... Uh, oh, really? Crown. We've got one. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> what was her name? Um, well, I'd only got an email address. Oh. So it was like the, the Mystic Squirrel or something at Hotmail.com. <laughs> so thank you very, very much for your uh, donation. You can also, if you prefer, make a one-off donation via PayPal, yeah. uh, which you can do on rexfactor.podbean.com. Um, so in terms of the messages, we're just going to read uh, one out this week, which is a bit of a sad one, um, which came to us on Facebook from uh, Jessie Alden. Um, she says, I, I wanted to share that one of your biggest fans and my friend, Sandy Smith, has just passed away from her battle with cancer and will be greatly missed. She was a teacher and got to say goodbye to her students just in time. Her whole life was about teaching, writing and dealing with the cancer and I know your podcast gave her something positive and exciting to listen to when she had her bad days. Thank you so much for recognising her. We miss her very much. Very, very sad to receive that, but I do remember her getting in touch on Facebook. She was always very active on that. It was great. But... So we can provide the link to her blog? Yes, so she wrote a uh, blog, uh, Sandy's Lament, so S-A-N-D-I-S-L-A-M-E-N-T dot blogspot dot com. We'll put links on Facebook and on WordPress and the website. Um, But she did various articles, partly about um, her struggles with cancer, but also just general life, but also quite a few history. There's some good history ones, yeah. So if you do, there will be a link we've got where we start with a search for Rex Factor, where she mentioned us in various things. Mm. We've got things like uh, who were the shortest and tallest monarchs, the heaviest, most assassinations, strangest deaths, all that sort of stuff. And not just British ones. This is only of the world, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So um, do go and have a look uh, at that website. I think that would be a nice tribute to her. Yes. Um, So... 
So, until next time, we will be reviewing Indolf's Kids, or does it go to no, the blue no, team? No, it's still all the blue team next <sighs> time, back on blue. Blue and blues. Come on, you reds. Till then, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio from me.